Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. I am excited that you're here today, and I'm really happy to have my guest, Amanda Louder, here today to talk about some very important topics about motherhood. She is a wife to her husband of six years, and in addition to mothering a blended family of five children, ranging in age from 10 to 19, she's also a life coach and has a podcast called Live From Love, which we will link up in the show notes if you're wanting to check out Amanda's podcast. But in her years as a mother, she's learned to let go of control and enjoy seeing her children learning who they truly are. Her greatest struggle has come with learning how to help her daughter who has a mental illness. And although Amanda has faced significant challenges, she also recognizes the many ways that God has guided her, put people who can help her in her path, and has answered her prayers. So I am really excited to talk to you today, Amanda. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Darla. I'm so happy to be here. Great. Well, I'm really, I'm really grateful that you'd be willing to come on and talk about something that is hard for a lot of people to talk about, and that is mental illness. So we'll, we'll get into that. But let's just start off who you are, what, what your family is all about. Yeah, sure. So like you said, my husband and I have been married for six years. It's a second marriage for both of us. So we have this awesome responsibility of blending a family, which comes with its own unique challenges. But we actually, our kids have blended really well, and we have an awesome family, and we work really hard to have a great marriage. And with blending a family, it's sometimes kind of hard to find things to do that we all like to do together, but we love to eat food. (laughs) So (laughs) we're really good about like finding new food to eat and we love to play board games and card games. But sometimes when we're not all together, um, we also love to go fishing and camping. And then I have one daughter who plays competitive softball and we spend a lot of time traveling around and watching her play and supporting her. So that's that's a lot. That sounds like fun. I mean, food, what family can't say food brings us all together, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So let's just dive right in. I mean, there's a lot of parts of your motherhood story that we could touch on, but I really, in the time that we have, I really want to talk about your daughter and the challenges that she's faced. And you told me in our interview prep that she's being diagnosed as bipolar two. Is that how you say it? Yes. Okay. Uh And, And I'm not totally familiar with that. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are not as as well. So for someone who's not familiar with this diagnosis, what exactly does it mean and how does it affect her day-to-day life? Sure. So I think most people know what bipolar one probably is. It's the mood disorder where you have really high highs called mania and the really low lows that can often lead to suicide. And bipolar two is just a little bit different. Her um, mood swings aren't quite as big. So her Lows aren't usually suicidal, although we have been there, and her highs are usually more anxiety, irritability, and anger rather than mania, although we occasionally experience that too. Mm-hmm. So um, day-to-day, her mental health really has to be her top priority every single day. She takes medication every day. She needs to maintain good sleep habits, 
running has been a huge help for her moods. Um, she has to be really careful not to overwhelm herself with activities. Change is really difficult for her. So anytime we go through a new routine or like a new school year or anytime something changes last minute, it's really, really hard for her. So that's kind of our day to day. Okay. So, and I don't think we mentioned at the beginning, but how old is your daughter? She is 16. Okay. Yes. So, so a teenager. So when did you first start to notice the challenges that she, she was facing and how did you first get help for her? What did you do? So she's always had really big mood swings and she was my first daughter. My oldest is a boy. And so I kind of just chalked it up to her being a girl at first, these huge mood swings. But by the time she was eight years old, I could tell that something was not quite normal. And I was having other people who loved her say, you know, this really isn't normal. You really need to get this looked at. So at that point, she, I could see huge mood changes. She struggled with some paranoia she really struggled in social situations and I could see some sensory issues as well. So at her eight-year-old checkup, I was able to speak to her pediatrician privately and express my concerns. And she suggested that at that point we see a play therapist. And it's a therapist that uses play in order to help elicit different situations and help her learn to cope. So she started doing that and she was making some really good progress with that. But then that summer, we were visiting Utah from Texas, where we lived at the time, to see family, and she had her first full manic episode. And um, what that looked like was um, her getting really, really, really happy, like bouncing off the walls, and then all of a sudden it switched to rage, and she screamed and tantrumed um, for about two and a half hours. And that was pretty scary as a mom to watch and her so do that. And so at this point, she's eight years old? She's eight years old. Yes, she's eight years old. So we contacted the therapist and she suggested that we see a child psychiatrist. So we did that and they immediately put her on medication. And then we did a full spectrum psychological analysis. And that came back with a diagnosis of mood disorder non-specified because they don't like to diagnose an eight-year-old with bipolar. Um, and then it also showed a processing disorder and some sensory issues, which we kind of figured. So since her diagnosis, she has been on daily medication. Right now she takes four different medications every single day, um, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicines, um, mood stabilizers, and an antipsychotic. And then um, she also sees different therapists and doctors on a regular basis to make sure that we've got everything under control. So medication, regular therapy, and just kind of watching every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, medication is an interesting game. It, it changes constantly. Uh -huh. And especially because she was so young um, as she has grown up and, you know, hormones change things and growth changes things. And so we've had to adjust her medication a lot over the years. Um, and it's been kind of scary when medications all of a sudden quit working. But she's been on some medication for about two years now that has kept her fairly stable. And so that's been a real blessing for us. When we talk about mental illness, sometimes that really has a negative stigma 
in our society. And I'm sure that you've encountered that. So how do you educate people around you? And how do you advocate for your daughter? How do you teach her to advocate for herself and to help people, you know, change that stigma, the negativity that people feel towards mental illness? I think one of the reasons why there is such a stigma is because we don't talk about it and there's shame around mental illness. So just as many other health issues, this was not caused by something she did or didn't do or I did or didn't do. So I try to be pretty open with people about what we're facing. I let them know um, that she has a bipolar diagnosis. And people tend to be a lot more understanding and compassionate when they see some behavior from her that might not be normal. So I think when you are vulnerable with other people, that's where true connection is made. And when when I'm vulnerable and say, you know, this is what we face every single day. And this isn't something she can control. This is something that is out of our control. And, you know, we just ask that you be compassionate, understanding people really are. I think, I think you touch on something really good. You can't sit there in your house and say, oh, everybody just needs to figure this out for me. You've got to advocate. You've got to go out and communicate with Absolutely. people and say, this is what we're facing. And, and then it's not just this t- teenager that's, you know, bouncing off the walls or being really depressed or, you know, then, they, then it gives them the chance yeah. to get it and, and to help figure out how they can help. Yeah, it's not just, you know, some unruly teenager who's disobedient. It's, you know, someone that's really struggling with something. I actually have a friend um, who was diagnosed with bipolar 2 right before she and I met. Um, It was when my daughter was pretty young. And so I got to watch my friend struggle, which was not fun, with with the medications and all of that kind of stuff and how to deal with it. And it taught me a lot about what was to come. <laughs> I didn't know it at that point. I was going to say, had your daughter been diagnosed at this point? or you? No, she was probably two years old at this point. But I watched my friend and she was very, very private about it and didn't tell hardly anyone. And so people saw this erratic behavior from her that was not normal and, you know, thought she was just crazy and didn't understand. And she very rarely opens up to people and she's very private and that's totally her choice. I, you know, I understand her choice, but I just decided I'm going to choose something differently. We're, we are going to choose something differently so that, you know, people can be understanding and compassionate and they usually are. Has there ever been a time where your daughter has talked to someone herself and advocated for herself? Yeah. Um, you know, with teachers, sometimes she needs more time. Sometimes she doesn't understand. Sometimes, you know, an assignment is given that gives her like huge anxiety attacks during school. And she has had to learn to advocate for herself that, you know what, I need to take a minute. I need to go to the bathroom, recompose myself. I'll be back. You need to give me some time. That's great that she's learning that. That's yeah. Yeah. Because this is kind of going to be a lifelong thing for her. I mean, is that correct? It is. Like this isn't something it she's going to outgrow or this is what she's going to no, be dealing this is, with her whole life. Yes, this is not something that she's going to outgrow. Um, I do hope that we are giving her the tools that she needs to be productive and be able to live a fairly normal life mm-hmm. given what she's um, been given. But no, she will need to be medicated and and deal with this for the rest of her life. Okay. Well, it sounds like you are giving her those tools. So I'm sure that this is a stressful situation for you. 
and you know, it's a lot to have on your plate. So what do you do in your daily life just to help you cope with the challenges that that you're facing with a child with mental illness? Yeah, to be honest, for a long time, um, it was a real battle between my daughter and I. I spent a lot of years, like you said in your intro, trying to control her and her behavior, and that did Mm -hmm. not work. (laughs) So a couple of years ago, I really felt like I needed to read the Book of Mormon every day, and not just scriptures, but specifically the Book of Mormon every day. So I set a goal on January 1st to read it through by my birthday, which is about mid-May. And each morning before I got out of bed, I would read a little bit. And I saw an immediate change in my patience with her. Sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) When she would escalate, I used to escalate with her. And when I started reading the Book of Mormon every day, I was able to stay calm and patient And I just think that starting off my day with peace in my heart from the the Book of Mormon and the Spirit made a tremendous difference in how I was able to deal with the challenges that came that day. And now, in addition to my prayer and scripture study each morning, I use a lot of the techniques that I learned as a life coach to manage my thoughts about her illness and her behavior so that I can show up in a much more loving and peaceful way with her when things aren't going well. And I've also been able to teach her a lot of those techniques that have helped her to understand her mind a little bit better and help her to manage it. Oh, I love that. And I I love what you said about reading the Book of Mormon. And the thing that struck me when you were talking was that your situation did not change. You know, your daughter didn't change or become healed or anything like that. But it changed you and helped you to know how to cope with it. And, you know, like you said, you didn't escalate with her. You you were able to find peace. And, um, And I think that applies to anyone, any challenge that we're dealing with in motherhood, when we turn to God, when we turn to his word, he can, he can not take the, not necessarily take the challenge away. I mean, sometimes he might, but just gives us the tools and the abilities and the skills that we need to deal with whatever we're facing. I didn't start, I didn't start reading the Book of Mormon to have more patience with my daughter. Right. right. <laughs> that is not why I started reading it. I just felt the need to read it and read it every single day. And sometimes I'm reading it in addition to another set of scripture, but I need that every single day. And I've seen the results and it's been nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> yeah, that is a miracle. And and it's perfect what you said. You know, sometimes Heavenly Father tells us what we need to do, but he doesn't tell us why. I mean, yeah. we didn't really know why or what the result was going to be, but but just exercising that obedience and following what you feel prompted to do brings great blessings. And in your case, I think it's a miracle that that's a beautiful it, it miracle does. that God has worked in your life. How have you changed since your daughter's diagnosis? What what has changed inside of you? Oh, um, so many things. <laughs> I've definitely become more reliant on my Savior. I'm more patient. I'm more understanding and less judgmental of her, of myself and others. And I think one of the biggest changes um, 
was when I look at my children, I just want them to be them instead of who I think they should be. And it's not my job. It's my job to help them figure out who that is. It's not my job to make them what I think they should be and just try and guide them and influence rather than control because I can't control them. I can't control her. I can't control any of my children. But if I'm able to guide and influence them and just put it in the Lord's hands and let them be them, you know, they are such beautiful and unique spirits, every single one of them. And they come with their own, you know, sets of things that are way beyond what we imagined often as, you know, when we were imagining our children long ago before they were born, like this is, this is not what I imagined for my daughter. No, no. (laughs) But but letting her just be her and seeing her for who she really is, that's been a big change. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I think it's recognizing that God has a purpose in all of that and that he, he can equip us for what we need to do for to, sure. to mother them um, yes. and to be there for them. So what advice would you give to a mother who is facing similar tra- challenges that you faced, you know, sees these behaviors in a child and isn't sure what to do, you know, what would you tell them? What would be your first thing? Yeah, I think the first thing to do is to learn to manage your own mind. When we can let go of thoughts like they shouldn't do that or I can't believe this is happening again or why are they acting this way or why aren't they who I want them to be? then we are able to show up a lot more loving and kind in those relationships. And that comes from us. It doesn't come from them. And it creates a space where the spirit can dwell and bring a sense of calm to the situation when we're managing our own mind and be able to show up in much more loving and peaceful ways. I also recommend that you get really involved in their therapy. Um, That's kind of more on the practical side, but I would go to all of her therapy appointments with her and talk with her therapist so that I could learn how to parent her best. Um, She requires different skills than I have with my other kids. And I needed to develop that just as much as she needed therapy. Um, so, and then I can also reinforce what she was learning in therapy at home. Um, I really feel like you said before to be an advocate for your child and to equip them to navigate the world in the best way that's possible for them. Um, and this is going to sound kind of funny and I know There's a lot of mom guilt over things like this, but I think it's really important to take breaks. (laughs) Um, Dealing with a mentally ill child or, you know, any child with disabilities or sometimes just normal children, you really need to fill your own bucket and take breaks. And so there have been times when my daughter has gone to stay with her grandma for a couple weeks in another state. Um, She actually just moved back home when school started. She'd been living with her dad since March, um, just to give us a little break from each other. And that is okay. And there should be no mama guilt in that. For sure. (laughs) In one of my previous interviews, I interviewed Reagan Ogle. And we talked about how sometimes being a good mom is being with your kids. And sometimes to be a good mom, you need to be away from your kids. And that is yes. okay. Like, yes. and we talked exactly <laughs> about that. No mom guilt. We don't need, we don't need that. No, um, that's no. a really good point. So, so if a mom is seeing some behaviors and just has no idea where to start, like wh- how would you start with therapy? What, you know, what would you tell them to do? 
what would be so the first go step? to your pediatrician okay. first go to your pediatrician get some recommendations you know um, explain the behaviors be honest don't try to you know hold things back to protect your child like they need to know exactly what they're dealing with um I, I had a client um, a few months ago that has an adult daughter who has struggled with anxiety her entire life. And she was like, I should be able to deal with this. I should be able to. And her daughter was not doing well in life. And I said, look, you need to go see a doctor. And, you know, most likely there's some brain chemicals that aren't working here. Get her stabilized on medication before you start trying to do therapy or anything else. Because if those brain chemicals aren't working, then nothing else that you do is going to work. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. Just starting with your pediatrician, go to a doctor and and getting getting some advice yeah. from there. And medication's not always the answer. I, there's a lot of things out there that, you know, are great. We do a lot of holistic things as well. But, you know, if there's chemicals missing in your brain, there's no other way to get around that. Yeah. And and I like what you said earlier when we were talking about advocating that, you know, this is just like breaking your arm or being diagnosed with a, a yeah. physical disease. It's the same. Yes. Like it needs to be treated. You can't just say, oh, this will just go away because it's not going to. And so, so it, it does require us to make some hard decisions and, you know, get out of our comfort zone and, you know, go and do something. But I, I love your advice to just yes. go to your pediatrician. That would be, that would be a great first step. Absolutely. Um, okay. So how does the atonement of Jesus Christ aid you as a mother? There have been many times, many, many times as a mother that I have felt like a failure. And what I've really come to understand in the last few years is that the atonement of Jesus Christ covers my inadequacies as a mother, just as it covers everything else that I am not quite there. It's, it is there for that purpose. All the things that we cannot do for ourselves, it's there. That, that is beautiful. And I, I feel like sometimes motherhood is, is meant to help us turn to the Savior and help us to use the atonement in our lives. We need it. And so many times we think about the atonement as being for sinners or, you know, for these great, you know, really horrible things that people do. And, and that's for them, but it's not for me. I don't do these really bad things. But there's yeah. another part of the atonement, the enabling power of the atonement that, that helps us to get over those inadequacies and to know that we're of worth and that, and that we have someone that knows us better, knows our children better than we know. And, yes. and I, I just think we cannot discount at all the power that the atonement of Jesus Christ has to help us as mothers and to, to turn to him and to, and to get that, that what you said was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. You're welcome. Well, to wrap up, I always ask each guest at the end of the podcast, and I would like to ask you this question as well. How have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? So I remember one night specifically when I was on my knees praying for guidance to best help my daughter. And I had spent many, many, many nights on my knees. But this one night, I was given a very distinct impression that I am supposed to be her mother, that she was given to me for very specific reasons. And Heavenly Father had put people all along my path 
to help me be a mother to this beautiful soul. And I just needed to trust in him. And that thought was so empowering. I knew that she was mine for a reason. But knowing that, I also know that all of my children are mine for a reason. And all of our children are ours for a reason. He didn't make a mistake. He gave us each these children for them to learn something and for us to learn something. And we have the exact children and they have the exact mother that they need. I love that. It's so true. And it's a theme that keeps coming up over and over in all of my interviews that, you know, let go of everything else because they're yours for a reason and you, you can handle it. You can do it. And God is there to help us. He, he, I love that you received that inspiration from him and that, that little personal revelation that you know who you are and you know who your children are and you're meant to be together and, and you can do it through him. Yes. Yep. Through him. That, that is so beautiful. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for being willing to come on and talk about this. It's, it's a sensitive topic. It's not easy to talk about, uh, but I know that it will help someone else. And, and I know that that someone else who is where you were eight years ago will, will benefit from that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Before I end this interview, I just wanted to share a little bit more about Amanda's podcast. Her podcast is called Live From Love. And since I've interviewed her, I've been able to go back and listen to most of her episodes and I have loved them. I think they are fantastic. She focuses more on marriage and relationships as well as divorce because that's something that she's experienced in her life. And so it is a really fantastic podcast. So I wanted to make sure you knew about that. And then after we stopped the when we ended the interview, we talked a little bit longer and I was still recording and she just shared with me why she started this podcast and what it's about. So I thought I would just share that with you before we end the episode. So here is our conversation about her podcast. Most of my stuff is geared towards women who are struggling in their marriage and um, either contemplating divorce or maybe going through divorce or recently divorced or, um, that's kind of where my focus is on my podcast, just because I've been there. I was, I was in an emotionally abusive marriage for 13 and a half years. And, um, it was, um, really hard. So the reason I decided to kind of make this my niche is because I was getting calls and emails and texts from people probably three or four times a month asking like, should I get divorced? Mm -hmm. How do we make this work? And I think because people see me as a success, which is not <laughs> like I'm a successful divorce, <laughs> but, um, but I like, I got divorced. Um, I have a new husband, an amazing marriage, a great family that's blended. Well, I have a great relationship with my ex-husband. Mm. Like we get along really well. We co-parent really, really well. And, you know, life is good. That and, is a miracle. That is so yeah. amazing. And so it gives people hope. Yeah. And, and I like, I love that. And that's what I really, I want to do is give people hope that if they can't fix the marriage, which that's the goal, because I don't, I don't want to help people get divorced. Right. But right. sometimes it's not salvageable. Right. And, um, so if we can fix it, 
like I always say, I, I want them to find confidence, peace, and happiness, whether they stay in their marriage or whether they decide that that relationship is complete. And so moving forward, whatever that looks like for them to be happy and confident and at peace. So that was Amanda's synopsis of what her podcast is about. So you can get a little preview. If you're interested in listening to it, you can find it on iTunes or anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Uh, Just search for Live From Love, or you can find the link in the show notes for this podcast, spirituallymindedmom.com. And if you go and listen and you love it, feel free to leave a review for Amanda um, for her podcast. I've said it before, but leaving reviews is such a great way to help podcasters out, especially when they're brand new. And while you're there, if you want to leave a review for the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, I would love that as well. And thank you so much for listening every week. I love doing this podcast. I love uh, being able to share this message. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.